Listener-supported KFUO, the messenger of good news. I'm Gary Duncan. It's so good to be with you today for the program. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side. Today we have with us St. Peter, our official KFUO apostolic representative, who is here again to talk about the baptism of Jesus. But Peter, before we get started with this devotion, I was wondering, did you get that crate of my wife Marcia's oatmeal cookies? Yes, I did, as a matter of fact. Well, I was wondering if if you'd be interested in selling them there at the store on the Kaskaskian River. I I think they would be a nice addition to the other fine products you have there at the Hook and Crook. What fisherman or shepherd doesn't like cookies? Well, uh, I'm afraid there were a couple of problems. Problems? What kind of problems? Well, as you know, we're already carrying several of your products, uh, Gary, here at the Hook and Crook. We've got your designer fish bait, Stinky Gary Duncan's Catfish Bait. Uh, that's Stinky, comma, Gary Duncan's Catfish Bait. Oh, yeah, yeah. that, that. Uh, And then there's your sheep dip, Dippy Gary Duncan's Sheep Dip. <laughs> that, that's Dippy, comma, Gary Duncan's Sheep Dip. So, so obviously there's a standard we have to uphold. Standard? <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, I was trying to think of some funny name we could give your cookies. <laughs> I mean, Odie Gary Duncan's cookies doesn't make any sense. I, I suppose we could call them Mealy Gary Duncan's cookies. You see, I just couldn't come up with a funny name. But well, wait, wait, these are not my cookies. They're my wife Marsha's cookies. So you really wouldn't need a funny name. Well, yeah. Yeah, you have a point there, you know. She's a fine, respectable woman. Not like you at all. Uh, you're right, we wouldn't need a funny name for her cookies. Wait a minute. Uh, what, what do you mean, like, me at all? Well, no, we'll just call them Marsha's Oatmeal Cookies. Yeah, oh, that'd be okay. no problem. Maybe Grandma Marsha's Oatmeal Cookies. Oh, good. that's an even better idea, yeah. yeah that would be a excellent product. Yeah, you know, I don't know, though. The more I think about it, I kind of like Mealy Gary Duncan's Oatmeal Cookies. Let's let's just continue on business at hand here in our uh, conversation that we, we want to talk about. We probably need to get to that devotion. So the real reason we're talking to you this afternoon is we have some uh, scriptural business to wrap up. The last few weeks, you've been talking about the epiphanies, the surprising insight we learned from the baptism of Jesus. Uh, that That's right, Gary. Uh, the epiphany season in the church always begins with the baptism of Jesus, which is very appropriate because the baptism of Jesus is filled with epiphanies. Although really the greatest epiphany is the one that comes at the end of the season of Lent. And what is that, Peter? Well, well, before we talk about that epiphany, maybe we better review the epiphanies we've already discussed. Right, the epiphanies that we find in the baptism of Jesus. Uh, the first of these epiphanies is simply that Jesus is the Almighty Son of God. That's a fairly obvious epiphany. After all, at Jesus' baptism, the Father himself spoke from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. But that's not the only epiphany that happened that day of Jesus' baptism. Uh, We talked about how Jesus was taking our place in the baptism. Uh, That day, a great exchange began. Jesus took our sins upon himself in the water of baptism, and in return, we received the blessings that belong to Jesus which is really significant for us because that day the heavens were open to Jesus. He received the Holy Spirit, and as we already said, he was declared the Son of God. 
And, of course, the epiphany is that we receive the same things at our baptism. Uh, The Bible clearly teaches that baptism saves us. It says we receive the gift of the Spirit in baptism and that baptism makes us children of God. But if I remember correctly, uh, the question we wanted to discuss this week is how did John the Baptist arrive at these epiphanies? Oh, I, I think I can answer that. Last week, you gave me a homework assignment. You asked me to review the stories of Jesus' baptism in all four Gospels. So I did that as soon as we were done with the show last week. Well, let me be honest. Actually, I did it right before our conversation this <laughs> afternoon. But anyway, in the Gospel of the Apostle John, John the Baptist plainly says he came to understand these things because he saw the Spirit descend upon Jesus. So that's how he knew Jesus was the Son of God, the Chosen One who took our place because that day John saw the Spirit descend upon our Lord and God had given John this spectacular sign. You're good there. You're absolutely right, Gary. But you see, that kind of leaves us out in the cold. What do you mean, out in the cold? Well, well how, how can we have any epiphanies then? I, I mean, have you ever seen the Spirit descend on anyone? I can't say that I have. So if we haven't seen any miraculous signs like the Baptist did, how can we have any epiphanies of our own? Hmm, I don't know. Well, well, remember in your homework last week, I, I, I asked you not just to read, but I asked one specific question. I asked you not just to read the stories, but to find out exactly what John saw that day. Oh, that's right. There was a question I was supposed to answer. You know, I was working on that. I wonder where I left my notes. Hang on. Oh, oh. Uh, you know what? I think my dog ate my homework. Yes, yes, you're... Your dog ate your homework, did he? Uh, Well, the answer to the question that I asked you to answer is John saw a dove, as it says in the Gospel of John. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Now, that's what all the other three Gospels say as well. It was a dove that John saw. And we've shared with you previously that the word there in the Greek doesn't actually mean dove. It simply means a bird. Uh, sometimes it is used of doves, but, but it can equally be used of pigeons. <laughs> now, what would you think if you saw a pigeon flying over somebody's head? Oh, I can answer that question. I, I would say, watch out, buddy. You better put on a hat. Yes, exactly, Gary. My point is that what happened that day might have been unusual, but it really wasn't a spectacular sign. So there was a bird that flew down over Jesus. How did John the Baptist know that this was no ordinary pigeon, but the Holy Spirit? I, I think I can answer that question as well. John goes on to explain I myself did not know him, but he who sent me said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You see, it wasn't the dove that gave John the epiphany, but it was the word of God that he heard. The word of God that was associated with the dove that gave him the insights that we've been talking about. Now, now that is something we can all share. We all have access to the Word of God, and through that same Word of God, we can all receive epiphanies which are given by the Holy Spirit. You know, it 
just occurred to me that word of God is often associated with common, ordinary things in our life as well. We may not have a word about pigeons, but we do have plenty of words connected with other ordinary things like the water of baptism, for example. Oh, good point, Gary. You're right. Common bird, common water. But in both cases, God's word has made remarkable promises. In fact, God's word says baptism does nothing less than wash away our sins. It's the same way with the Lord's Supper. It's just plain, ordinary bread and wine, but the word shares a great epiphany. This ordinary stuff is Jesus' body and blood for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Now, there's an insight, an epiphany we'd never come up with by ourselves, would we? We only know that because of the word of God. So it's not the signs that's important. It's the word of God attached to the signs that give us the epiphanies. Precisely. It's how it worked for the Baptists, and it's how it works for us. If insight is what you're looking for, you can't do better than listening to the Word of God. That brings up one more question, however, Peter. At the start of this devotion, you said that at the end of the season of Lent, there's another epiphany. What epiphany were you talking about? It's actually one that already comes up in the baptism of Jesus. It was the one other thing the Baptist had to say after witnessing the baptism of Jesus. You're referring to John's declaration, Behold the Lamb of God, aren't you, Peter? That's it, Gary. In the baptism, Jesus takes our place as sinners. At the end of his ministry, he takes our place on the cross. Uh, to look at him, he would seem to be just another man, condemned and rejected by God. But the truth is, he is God's sacrificial lamb, paying the price so our sins can be forgiven. And you're right, Peter. We'd never know that insight except that it was revealed to us in the Word of God. That is the great epiphany that lies ahead of us in the upcoming Lenten season. Thanks for wrapping up this series with us about Jesus' baptism. And I'll be interested to see what guests you have for us next week. And in addition, I hope real soon my wife's oatmeal cookies will be available there to buy there at the Oak and Crook. Well, maybe, as I said, Gary, as I said, there were a couple of problems. Well, we got the name thing all straightened out. What else is there? Well, you know, the, the crate of cookies you sent me, well, I tasted one, and, and they were pretty good. Uh, needless to say, there aren't any cookies left to sell. I, I ate them all. But, you know, if you could send some more. Oh, well, I'll get my wife, Marcia, right on that. Uh, this time, you better send them in sealed packages, okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. That, that I will do. So take care, Peter. Good talking to you. We are the messenger of good news, KFUO at KFUO.org.